Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Good morning. That castle out there is pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. What's also impressive is there'll be about 800 children here this week, and that's a lot of kids. Yeah, you you can clap for that and pray for all the leaders. Uh, Some 200 leaders, by the way. I mean, the the response. Yeah, you can clap for that too. Get it out. Get it out. And uh, and thank you for doing that. That just means a lot, and a lot of. Great people are going to be giving up their time this next week. And th- by the way, thank you for all the sponsorships that you gave. I mean, obviously, we'd never turn away a child no matter what, but your giving really blessed and made VBS what it is. Also, last week, it was, uh, uh, you know, we've had a couple of uh, pretty intense services the last couple of weeks, and we're going to go lighter today. That said, uh, 28 men signed up for Brave last week. 28 men. And yeah, and I am, I'm so proud of those guys. And, and so thank you for doing that. Ladies, you, many of you signed up as well, but sometimes takes a little bit more for us guys to take that step. And so thank you to all the men who did that. And uh, today we start a new series, uh, Summer in the Psalms. Our, my prayer and, uh, as we jump into this today would be that uh, we would take the summer and just dwell in the Psalms. Is that okay? Just dwell there. I mean, read one a day, and as you get, you get your devotionals, you can make some notes and uh, do some different things in regards to just studying and focusing in and de- you, devotional reading in the Psalms. And I'm, I have some things I want to share with you on how to read them, if that's okay, and uh, I'd like to start with reading, and I know you just sat down, dang it, and, uh, and, but I'm going to ask you to stand again. I'm standing, you can stand, and uh, now here's the thing, I'm going to read all of it, 11 verses, and as I read, you be thinking, what, what's this passage saying, and it starts out with uh, verses 1, as the deer pants for water, which is a favorite chorus of mine, and uh, we sang it a lot over in Israel, uh, but right at the top, before cha- verse 1, it says, For the director of music, a maskil of the sons of Korah. Maskil, that means a wise and very sensitive person who put this together. And uh, uh, so this was a choir song about, with everything else. It's also, it was to be sung. Don't ask me to do it, I wouldn't have a clue. But let's read. As the deer pants for streams of water, Psalm 42. As the, am I, did I say 40-something else? Okay, well, Psalm 42. Sorry. Sorry about that. Okay, up there. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Verse 3, notice the change here. My tears have been my food day and night when people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 6, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, 
from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Verse 8. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer for the God or prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Lord, take your word. Let it go deep in our hearts today in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we, as we jump into this new series, Summer, Summer in the Psalms, I uh, want to give just some ideas on how to best use our time. And I want to start with a quote by N.T. Wright, Anglican uh, bishop and just a, a great writer in his book, Simply Christian. Here's what he said. He said, the Psalms are inexhaustible and deserve to be read, said, sung, chanted, whispered, learned by heart, and even shouted from the rooftops. They express all the emotions we are ever likely to feel including some we hope we may not. And they lay them raw and open in the presence of God. The Psalms, more than any other book in scriptures, deals with the emotions we really feel. More than any other book, it it opens and lays bare all the things that you and I might feel in our lives as human beings, real and uncensored. Those who wrote the Psalm were intensely honest about their feelings, and that's why I love the Psalms. Uh, An example, I mean, they didn't didn't mess around. They, They just said it like it was. I talked to someone before the service and said they were struggling with some anger toward God. And man, I've been there. I know what that's like. Well, there's a subset of the Psalms that are called the imprecatory Psalms. Anyone ever heard of them? Imprecatory. You look them up when you get home. They're the, they're the Psalms where the guy just was so angry. He said, God, kill my enemies and do it in creative ways. <laughs> just kill them good, God. I mean, let them have it. I mean, those are the imprecatory. King David prayed one of those. I mean, it's, it's, it's intense. But even out of that imprecatory, violent, murder-inspired psalm, there's this, this hope and restoration that takes place as our honesty is poured out before God. I just want to say this on a side note. How many know that God can handle our anger? I mean, God's a big God. And there have been times when I stood in a hospital room and one of my best friends had just passed away and I remember standing there saying, God, you could have done something. God waits, lets us still have our temper tantrum as it were, and then reminds us that he's God and I'm not. And he reminds us that he is there. And so even as we pour out our anger, there is a cathartic moment where we get rid of that negative emotion and we remember who God is and we are healed and, and our trust goes deeper. The, song, the Psalms talk about men and women some 3,000 years ago who felt just like we do today who struggled with anger and fear and hurts and wounds and frustration and jealousy and all those different things. As, as we just read, N.T. Wright said, you gotta dwell on them, sing them, chant them, quote them, memorize them, take them deep into your hearts today. And that's my prayer for you and for me this summer, that we would take the, the things of, of uh, Psalms and let them go deep within our souls. The genre of Psalms, as you think of different genres of, of writings, mysteries and all the history and all those things, the genre of Psalms is poetry. It's poetry. And uh, it, it can be beautiful at times. It can be stark at times. But anyway, when we think about and we read the Psalms, and then we're going to go light with just some basic things today. Number one is this. When you read the Psalms, make sure you read the whole thing to get the whole picture. 
I mean, I love the first part of Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer pants for water, so my soul cries out for you. And we sang it a lot in Israel. I mean, it was the only song I could really remember. So we kept singing it over and over. As the deer pants for water. But if you don't read the rest of the chapter, you don't realize why he's saying that in verses 1 and 2. He's crying out to be with God because of his deep need. He's struggling. He's going through the humanity of, of, of someone saying, where's your God? And, and, and he's mourning and he's filled with sadness and all these different things. And he cries out to God. See the big picture. Speaks to one's longing for more of God as the deer seeks water soul. His soul and our soul ought to seek more of God. If you don't read verse 9, you, you lose part of the, 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 uh, the package. Part of the understanding. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? And now we understand what the psalm is saying, what the psalmist is saying. Sometimes he feels forgotten. Sometimes he feels like God isn't there, and he certainly feels oppressed by his enemy. He feels all of these different pressures on him, and yet he longs in the middle of those struggles, in the middle of diagnosis, in the middle of, of loss, in the middle of all these things. He longs for God in the midst of those struggles. We can't fully understand and appreciate verses one and two until we read all 11 verses. And as we read the Psalms this summer, my prayer for you and me is that we, we get the big picture, we understand, we get the entire feel for what the author is saying. One a day, just like a vitamin, one a day. Read the Psalms. Number two, pay attention to the patterns. There were two or three things there he said a couple times. When, when something is said in the Psalms more than once, you ought to give heed to it. He said twice, he said, people are saying, where's my God? And so that's heavy upon his heart. He says twice, uh, in the midst of these things, yet will I praise you no matter what, and, and faith wins. Pay attention to the patterns of poetry. There's this word called parallelism, parallelism. And it's, it's where you have two thoughts and they run concurrently. They run uh, uh, alongside each other. There's two kinds. One is the first kind is when uh, something is, one thing is said in similar ways so it's repeated twice so that you understand the depth of its meaning. It said the same thing. And, and so, it, for instance, Psalm 37 and 1. Do not fret because of those who are evil or envious of those who do wrong. It's the same thing. Don't fret about them. Don't stress about them. Don't worry about them. And, and what he's saying is don't worry about those who are evil. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. Stay focused. How many know that sometimes we can start looking at people too much? We compare ourselves or we, we look at how evil they are and we look at their success and we think about why they are successful. Psalmist says, don't do that. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Stay focused. Then the second parallelism is, is contrasting structure. It's when you have one thought that goes one way and you have the other thought that goes a separate way. For instance, Psalm 37 and 9. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Did you catch that? Those who are evil will be what? Thank you for listening. Will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Contrast the outcome of those who are evil versus those who have put their trust in, in the Lord. One group is destroyed, the other will inherit. So putting those two statements together strengthens the resolve of those who want to live for the Lord. Don't do this, but do that. Thirdly, I would say this. Uh, see the big picture, understand how to read it. Uh, number two was, uh, what was it? Pay attention to the patterns. Number three, immerse yourself in the imagery. 
imagery, word pictures, metaphors, concepts that are put in picture form that, that speak far after words in a, in a book will do. When you see a statement put in picture form, you've got to ask yourself some questions, not just about the Psalms, but all of the Bible, but especially the Psalms. Ask this question, what is the image or the picture in the Psalms trying to tell me? Secondly, what is the image, what is the psalmist trying to say through? What's his message through the picture? And then thirdly, what does it reveal about God? I mean, we should always ask that, right? Everyone's still awake? We should always be asking, what does this book teach me about God, about my walk in the Lord, being filled with the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible teach me? Uh, for instance, Psalm 37 and 2, David talking about those who commit evil. For they like grass will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. He gives you a picture and he says, listen, the grass may be lush, the plants may be beautiful, but one day they're going to fade away. Everyone with me on that? Stupid squirrels. It just went through my head. We have these hanging plants and Mary put a hanging plant right by the, by this, uh, by the bird feeder things. What these stupid squirrels do, they jump right up on the plant and they sit there eating the, the bird seed. And, and the plant is, is, well, it's pretty much dead. And, and it's a picture. It's a picture for me of what happens when we let squirrels or the enemy in and, and, and kills and withers and things die away. They may look full of life, lush and green, but eventually they fade. Their flourishing doesn't last. That's, what's da that's what David is saying about those who commit evil. Sin is fun for a season. You are successful, but ultimately God is the righteous judge and flourishing will not last. Psalm 57 and one, here's a picture for you. I love this picture. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. What a beautiful picture of God. Had someone... Uh, uh, email me, uh, one, uh, someone who's worked in zoos and with birds of prey for 18 years, texted Mary and said, pass it on to Ray. The birds of prey, what they will do, if, if something is valuable to them, they will extend their wings and, and cover and protect and hide it from, from other birds of prey. Were you able to get that picture up there for me? They sent me this picture. I mean, what does that picture say to you in concept or your concept of God? that he watches over, that his wings spread out and protect. I should stop there, but how many know I'm a Lord of the Rings fan? <laughs> Thank you, two of us. You know, my favorite part, or some of my favorite parts of that movie are, are, are when the big eagles start swooping in. And they say Frodo and, and uh, Sam. Thank you. Frodo and Sam. Or they, they, they say he's, or they come in, they save Gandalf, and these huge eagles come in and swoop down, and they protect, and they, they defend. And that's my picture of God. This under whose wings I am protected, under whose power and strength I am guided and, and taken care of. You need that picture. By the way, on a side note, between you and I, Pastor Taylor's never seen Lord of the Rings, and I think collectively we ought to give him a hard time about it. No pastor should ever preach not of seeing the Lord of the Rings. So when he gets back from his little sabbatical, talk to him. But that's, those are images. Those are the patterns and the images that, that relay to us the message that the psalmist will have for us. And then number four, declare them with your voice. 
All of us read the Psalms. We read them to ourselves as well. We should, I suppose. But the Psalms weren't just meant to, meant to be read silently. They were, they were meant to be spoken. They were meant to be chanted. They were meant to be sung. These were to be out there in the open. The other night, I was, just, I, I was reading Psalm 42, and I read it to Mary, and I, I, I just got choked up. Because in, in these words of God found in this book, there is power and, and there is strength and there is, there's comfort and all these different things. And sometimes they, they deserve more and better than just keeping them inside. You can speak them out loud and you can be blessed yourself and you can bless others by these powerful words that are found in God's word, especially the Psalms. An example uh, at the top of chapter 57. Chapter 57. For, it, it's not the verse one, it's the, the, the little heading above it, it you may, if you notice it in your Bibles today. It said this, for the director of music. In other words, this, what, what's going to be said in chapter 57 is a choir song. Now catch this, I find humor here, I don't know why I should. For the director of music to the tune of, it gives you the tune you're supposed to sing it to. To the tune of, do not destroy. Well, I'll bet that's catchy. <laughs> do not destroy. And, and it goes on to say, it's of David, it's a miktam. Well, we all know what a miktam is. And then when he fled from Saul into the cave, I'm, I'm sorry, no one of us, not one of us know what a miktam is. Quite honestly, even commentators don't know what a miktam is. I'm going to have to call my friend in Israel and ask him because, and I'll bet he doesn't even know. It's, it's an old 3,000-year-old word, and no one really knows what it is. I'm off on a tangent, but I need to go here. And I've said it a few weeks ago. I can live with not knowing everything in God's word. I can live not ha being able to explain everything in God's word. Is that okay to say? How many know that some of the things, how many know that God is a mystery? I mean, if, you can, if you've got God all figured out, that just scares me to no end. It scares me, because I don't want to serve a God you've got all the answers for, to be honest. I want a God who is mysterious and big and larger than my mind or my concepts or your mind or your concepts. I want a big God who is, uh, his thoughts and his ways are above my thoughts and my ways. And when it comes to this book, there will be things I don't understand in it. First five books, uh, Genesis through, through Deuteronomy, there's some books, there's some things in there that I just go, oh, I don't get it. I say to myself, God, you know, I'd have probably done it a different way. Or I'll ask the question, God, why did you do it that way? God, I don't, I don't get how you do things, and it, it feels a little harsh to me, to be honest with you, God. Well, number one, God's okay with my questions like he is my anger. He can handle it. And I, I think, I, I, wouldn't it be great if we could just be honest with God instead of pretending like most Christians do that everything's okay and we got it all together? Well, we, we can't. Here's my problem, though, and I want you to listen, and I've hit on this a couple times before. Sometimes what we do is if we don't like what Scripture says, we begin to, to change it. Hello? We begin to, a, a, a popular word right now, it's called Deconstruction we begin to make it say something that it doesn't really say, but it's more palatable to us to have it said something different than what it actually says. To be honest with you, I'd rather live with the mystery of not understanding than to you go ahead and changing what this book has to say. 
in my opinion, I think it's a slippery slope. Because you start changing enough things, eventually you're going to hit on Jesus and you're going to start deconstructing his love for me. You're going to start changing what atonement means. You're going to start changing what that big word propitiation means. And you're going to, you're going to see the cross is too violent and you're going to start taking it away and say the cross isn't necessary for salvation and then we're going to have a problem. It's a slippery slope. So my encouragement to you, and I'll come back here in a minute, my encouragement to you is to live with the, live with the mystery. And then when you get to heaven, let God sort it out for you. Instead of screwing yourself and everybody up today. Because it, it, a lot of harm is being done right now because people are saying, well, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. You know, and how many know it's really a dangerous, slippery slope when you start changing up God's word? I'd rather, I, honestly, I'd rather live with the mystery and say, God, I don't understand it, but I, I do love you. May I, let me just say one more thing. This book informs me about Jesus, but here's, here's my thinking and see if it makes sense to you. I believe this book because of who Jesus is. My faith in Jesus is so, is so rich and strong that because of Christ, I take this book and I, I, I want to devour it. I don't believe in Jesus because of this book. I believe in this book because of Jesus and his death on the cross for me. Does that make sense to anybody? And so get, get the lines right. And I'll, I'll move on now. Okay. So uh, I can live without understanding everything in, in Scripture. It doesn't hinder my faith in God. And, and so then number five, I, I'm hoping I'm on number five. Put something up. Yes, number five. Stay a little longer. How many like fast food? Don't lift your hands. I'll just lift mine for everyone. I like driving through Chick-fil-A. My favorite is Jimmy John's. Number three tuna, please. Hold the cheese. You know, my HDL is up higher because of Jimmy John's. Couldn't ever get it up higher above 37. I've been eating the tuna sandwich from them for a year, and now it's 43. So praise the Lord. I give them all the glory. Just kidding. But I like fast food. I can get in and out in five minutes. But how many know that fast food is different than a fine meal at a nice restaurant? It's different. It's just different. Jimmy John's, I can get through in five minutes. Another five to eat the sandwich and I'm good. But if you go to a, a, a nice restaurant, let's, uh, how about, uh, Ru- this is the craziest name, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Like, do you need two names? Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. By the way, some of you are going to come up after me and tell me the why. I already know it. Don't. But, uh, you know, when you go there, some of you are your wine drinkers. I'd like a bottle of, uh, and you, you, you'll swish it and taste it and all that stuff. Great. But, you know, then you'll have the, you'll have the salad, maybe this or that. And then you will sit there and a, a steak that now costs $380, you're going to take your time on it. You're going to savor it. You're going to savor every bite. But you're going to save it, and you're going to have fellowship, and you're going to take your time. You're not going to take 15 minutes. You may be there an hour, maybe two. My daughter loved doing school in Salamanca, Spain, because meals there started at 8 and got done at 11. I mean, they just, they take forever for a meal. They drive me crazy. But my point is this. Let the Psalms be a a fine meal instead of fast food. Right? Read it and then, you know, read Psalm 42. Read it two or three times and I'll guarantee you, you'll find something that I didn't see. You may disagree with something I said today, but write it down and 
and, and let God speak to you by his spirit. But, but savor it and, and, and get the big picture, watch the patterns, uh, look for the images and the metaphors and all those things, but spend some time here. Don't rush. A lot, of, a lot of us treat God's word like fast food and it needs to be a fine meal. Everyone okay with that? Okay, 9.54. I'm now halfway done with the message and have six minutes, so <laughs> here we go. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where, when can I go and meet you? The writer begins with this strong, strong, strong desire to be in the presence of God. But, you know, let me just say this. Part of me wants to be respectful of time, but part of me wants to really tell you what you need to hear. So I'm going to go a little long. Is that okay? Not super long, just a little long. The three of you say, oh, that's cool. The rest of you are, what is the deal? He needs to hurry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to check my notes again. Yeah. You guys, come on out. You'll, you'll be a blessing. Thank you. Um, as, the, as the deer. Let me just say this. I'm going to give you three or four points real quickly. Number one is this. If you don't long for God, you're going to long for something else. Right? If we don't long for him, we're going to long for something else, someone else, some, some, something. And what we'll do is we'll fill our lives with, with foolishness. And it's okay because, you know, we live in a chaotic world and it's, it's crazy out there. Sometimes it's crazy everywhere. But the desire is to have a longing. And here's what I'm finding. You know, Mary does the whole brave thing. When you're longing for something, you're going to fill your life with something. You're either going to go up and fill it with things of God, or you're going to fill it with other stuff. How many know what the other stuff is? It's just not good. Sometimes it's possessions, materialism. Sometimes it's a, it's a relationship that you know is not healthy. Sometimes we self-medicate through drugs or through food or so, through some other way. He longs for God because that, that second part there in, the, in the, maybe the second down pass. In starting with verse 3 through, through 5, he's hurting. His longing in part is because he's struggling. I mean, he, he's bearing his emotions. God, I'm in mourning. Later on, he says, my, I hurt so bad, my bones hurt. I mean, he's struggling. And so in that, in that, second, that second point would be, his longing comes from his deep, deep woundedness and brokenness, and he's honest about it. I think we just need to start being honest about who we really are. Sometimes we hurt. Sometimes we're filled with joy. Sometimes we're silly. Sometimes we're foolish. Sometimes we're honest. Sometimes we're a lot of things. But in the midst of that, let the core of our lives be that we long for more of Jesus. We long for him. And then in the, in the fourth, in the, in the third part of that, maybe down past uh, verse eight, he realizes something. He says, but God, you know, I know that you're there. I know that you're with me. Yeah, I struggle, but I pour out, he said these words, he says, I pour out my soul to you. I pour out my soul. And I remember, and he remembers. I remember when I used to go to the house of God and I was filled with joy and praise and I was among other people filled with joy and praise. He remembers who God is. 
Then he reverts, but yet my soul is cast down. Why? And then he asks himself, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. Why are you disturbed, he asks. I think it's verse 10. I'm not sure. And, and then he, rem- he remembers and he's restored. He says, then he asks himself, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you downcast, oh, my soul? For yet I will still praise him. Walk out of here today with that mindset. You may be here today struggling. And we're not going to play the Christian game anymore pretending. It's dumb and and silly. We're going to be honest. But in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your woundedness, let these words be, I will remember my God who saved me. I will remember that he's always been with me. When I went to the house of God, he was there with me. And even though I struggle... My resolve is this, and this is how the chapter ends, and it's filled with a promise. It is sung to the congregation, yet will I praise him, for he is my God. He is my God. You don't got to, but you know what I'm saying? So let's walk out of today encouraged. Every day when we read the psalm, let let joy. By the way, Pastor David's going to be here next week. He's preaching from Psalm 139. You guys read it beforehand. I've told him to do a good job, so he's going to. But let's just sense the presence of the Lord in the Psalms. Amen? Stand with me. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.